Hello and welcome to the Tell Me If You Can podcast. My name is Ogechi, your host, and today I have Sierra Everett. In our conversation, we touch on how creating content for her blog, Instagram, and YouTube channel helps her share her story while keeping her accountable to goals in a way that inspires and encourages others. Sierra has a truly infectious optimism and a slight obsession with plants. Let's take a listen to Sierra's story. Hi, Sierra. Welcome to the podcast. For those of us that don't know who you are, can you give us a quick bio, who you are, what you do, and where you're from? Sure. Um, Hello, everyone. I'm so happy to be here. Uh, My name is Sierra. I am the blogger behind ambitiouslysierra.com where I talk a lot about um, how I'm just trying to grow into the best version of myself and hopefully inspiring others to do the same as well. And to me, that kind of just means always challenging myself to to do new things, try new things, and to uh, you know just keep going into this personal growth journey. Um, part of the way I do that is I make these monthly bucket lists. So I love a challenge, like I said, but on my bucket list, I always have some aspect of like personal wellness or, um, uh, <laughs> I keep saying the word challenges, but, <laughs> but challenges and trying to think like physical activity challenges, um, and things like that. Anything that I kind of want to learn and I think is going to make me a better person, then I kind of try to make sure I'm doing that. I am from um, Alexandria, Virginia. I grew up here, which is right outside the D.C. area or within the D.C. area. Um, Yeah, I think that kind of covers it. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you. Well, tell us a little bit about your background and um, how is it growing up and what inspired you as a young person? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I guess. As far as my background goes, I mean, like I said, I grew up in Alexandria, so um, I've always been in this area and I've been inspired just by just all the social media and things that I consume. I try to be very, um, just very intentional about the media and things that I consume. And so growing up and when I you know, got out on my own after college and doing my master's degree program, I always was kind of determined that no matter what I'm doing in life, because I've just always am chronically busy and (laughs) I'm such a type three and that like, I'm always striving to do something more. And I accidentally fill my plate up all the time, (laughs) way too much. Um, But I was always that person that was going to have fun in the meantime. And that's also where the bucket list came in. Cause I was kind of like, look, no matter what I have to do in life, I'm also going to make sure I'm having, making time for myself and making time to have fun. Um, so I, I don't know if it was just growing up, um, you know, seeing my mom work hard or growing up and um, just falling into this personal development space and seeing that there is kind of, a way like I wouldn't go all out to say there's a way to have it all but like there's a way that you can be intentional with your time yes 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 you can have big goals and I agree that sometimes I my plate is full but you we've all been to a buffet 
and you know there's that little little piece of room left on the plate and so you try to balance it all out um and it, i think it's the same with our goals we, we we have big dreams but there's a balance everything doesn't have to be done everything could can be done but it doesn't have to be done exactly at the same time that we want it to but I like how you talk about being um, intentional with the things that you consume. Um, you you have a blog. So what led you to starting a blog? And what kind of intentions did you set when you started that blog? Um, I, I think the person that inspired me to start a blog was um, I used to follow Carly, who was the college prepster. And I used to read her blog every day, like almost religiously, because she posts every single day of the week. And um, I always found that aspect of life to be kind of cool. It wasn't until, though, um, I had just gotten my big, my first like big girl job, I call it. And I decided to start making these bucket lists. So I made these bucket lists for a year. And then I was like, you know what? I've always wanted to start a blog. Why not incorporate this and make it kind of the thing that I share with everyone? Because I used to just post it on my desk at work <laughs> and people always found it interesting to see what I was up to that month. So I decided to turn it into a blog and I'm that kind of person <laughs> where I, if I like commit, if I get an idea into my head, then I'm just going to go for it. It takes me a while to make a decision, but once I make it, I am going all in. So I decided I went to do the blog. I kind of like quickly turned that process around. And my whole goal with the blog is to keep um, finding myself with it. And I feel like I found my voice like every you know, passing post that goes on, I, I could tell that I'm changing within it. And that's kind of what I've liked. Also, it's been a way to help me learn more about myself and get out there at the same time. I really I love that. And I think when you put something out there into the universe, so that people can read it, it's also a sense of accountability to yourself. So you set these challenges, as you call them and goals. And now that you've shared that with people, people can follow along and be inspired, but they can, then you also know that people are following along. So I kind of have to try to accomplish some of these challenges. <laughs> um, I, I, I think the first time I, I met you was at um, an event. It was like a fashion event and I just loved your bubbly personality. So then I followed you and I saw your monthly challenges. One, I'm in my, I admire how consistent you are with your content because I, if anyone's read my blog, I can never, I'm not even that consistent, but I also, <laughs> I also admire following along and seeing the, my favorite thing about you is how you're passionate about sharing parts of yourself. you you don't share too much, but you share enough that people can be connected. So how do you maintain that balance in a blog that can be very personal but also making sure to keep your privacy and boundaries online. Ooh. First, uh, thank you for thinking that I'm consistent. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I, I beat myself up so much about it because I'm like, I, I need to post this this day and like it didn't work out. And it can be something I get into my head about. Um, but as far as boundaries, um, I think... 
the way that I approach social media and my blog is I'm telling everyone things that I would tell my best friend almost. And there is a line, but you can <laughs> you can ask my best friend. I am really excited and I get passionate by a lot of uh, subjects and the blog partially allows an outlet for that. It allows me to sh share with everyone that these are things I'm really excited about right now. Like maybe you might like it too. Um, but I do, I do try to keep some things in. I guess my, my rule is I share things when I think that it might help someone else. Mm. So there are a lot of personal things and I'm getting um, more open about them. Um, but I, they serve a purpose at the same time. It's when there's something really heavy on my heart that I think I need to get out and I think will benefit someone else by hearing that they're not alone. That's kind of when I decide like that I need to share it. Yes. Um, so let's talk about some of those like deeper topics that you've opened up a little bit about, whether it's on your blog or on Instagram. Um, let's talk about like your physical journey and how you felt comfortable sharing about that. And if you feel comfortable sharing it to those that might not know a little bit about you in that sense. Sure. Um, so this was really hard. <laughs> it was like the, that was my first super duper personal post that I ever put out there. And I was so nervous about sharing my story. Um, but um, basically, for those who don't know me, um, I have a leg length discrepancy and my knees chronically dislocate. Um, and so because of that, uh, what that basically means is that one leg is a little shorter than the other and my knees aren't super stable so they can dislocate. I pop them back in. It's a painful ordeal, but it's something that's been happening since I started growing. So in childhood, mostly once I got into puberty. When I started blogging, and um, one of the things about being behind pictures is that I could hide behind the pictures. So I was very nervous to do anything that had to do with, with walking or movements because then I couldn't hide that part of me anymore. And I feel like, or I felt like for a long time that it's such, it's one of my identifiers that I wasn't proud of. Like I was teased about it in school. Um, it's just a, a huge point of, of uncomfortableness, <laughs> like within myself that I'm, I'm trying to cope with. So I decided one day that it was time to talk about it. So I wrote this post in my blog and I kind of just talked about how, you know, it's just how it impacted me, like what it means, but how I was able to start getting my power back. Mm. And a lot of that happened after my last major dislocation, which now was like two years ago. Um, and I was so frustrated with myself because like, you know, they want you to work out, but I was working out and doing these exercises and I was hurting myself. Um, and then after that dislocation, I kind of realized, you know, that I need to stop trying to fight against my body so much and that I needed to to love it and to 
rethink it for being as strong as it can be. And if we work together, <laughs> me and personifying my body, but if we work together, then we can, we can get stronger. So after that point, I kind of, um, once I started healing up, I started focusing on workouts and things that would make me stronger, but also wouldn't jeopardize my knees. And um, I got to the point where I was like, I lift and I was doing all these workouts consistently. And I was like, you know what, you, you are strong. Like you are strong. I don't know why I've doubted that. So I'm not going to say it's something that I've completely gotten over, <laughs> but I've definitely, um, definitely feel more okay with it. If that makes sense. And that, and just like you said, when we met at that fashion show, like I was freaking out. I was like, oh my gosh, I have to walk in front of all these people. Like they're going to see that I noticeably limp. Um, but it was also really cool that it was considered for that opportunity. So yeah. honestly, I, I mean, I didn't know you, obviously we, it was our first time meeting, but I, I mean, yes, it is an identifier. And so if you're paying attention to how someone moves and I tend to be very observant anyway. Um, I noticed that, but I, it, for me, my my thought was like, okay, this girl is like, I'm over here being nervous about like how I fit in a dress or whatever, you know, insecurities that women have about fashion and clothing. But I, I could see that you were like concerned about the type of shoes that you would wear and how comfortable you could walk. And um, I was just like, well, she's badass. Like she, <laughs> she's super cool. And you had such positive energy. And I really, I really couldn't tell that you were nervous about anything. And I was like, well, she's owned whatever she's going through. I don't know, but she's owning it. And like, if she can own it, then let me just go ahead and stop worrying about my thighs rubbing together and sweating as I walk down this uh, makeshift runway. So I think um, for a lot of people following along and especially you're not the only person that has this um, situation. So I think anybody else that read it, if they wanted to identify with someone that's online and a content creator, you pre you provided that representation for them, especially as a black woman that has um, this discrepancy. I think that intersection is important. I think like, Maybe they might have seen someone with the same thing, but they don't look like them. So now you look like them and you have the same thing and you don't have to be fully confident in it. And that's a journey. But I really admired you from that moment. And I still admire you. Another moment where you kind of share a little bit about yourself, but it's not super personal was um, it wasn't that long ago it was your natural hair journey. Right. Um, yeah. Which for a black woman is very complex and personal so let's talk a little bit about that sure i was about to say it was personal also thank you so much for your kind words i think it is important to note that everyone is going through something and mm -hmm. i did have a couple of people reach out to me about having similar having a similar story and like i felt like that was powerful that they were willing to share that part of themselves with me um, but yeah, the natural hair thing, um, it's, I did the big chop two months ago and, um, it was definitely personal for me just because again, <laughs> I felt like it was a part of my identity to be the girl with, uh, the pretty straight hair. Like I got praised for how my hair was in its relaxed state. 
Mm -hmm. Um, And then at the same time, I was also told, you know, indirectly that my natural hair wasn't good enough. Um, I grew up with a sister. She has a very different type of hair than I do. And um, she was always told that her curls, her hair was so pretty. And it is, it definitely is. But I think that I internalized some of that. And just Mm -hmm. like you said, black hair is just so complex. And so I thought that I wouldn't be myself. I wouldn't be able to fit in even into this blogging world if I got rid of my relaxed hair. But at the same time, um, the last few years, I was kind of surrounded by more naturals. And again, with this whole personal development um, journey, I was starting to get more curious about what my actual hair was like, because I had no idea. Mm. Um, I just never had to experience my natural hair. Didn't know what it was like. So I was curious about that. And I was kind of slowly easing into, like, I'm starting to use more natural products. And um, I'm very, um, I wouldn't say very, but I also am on a sustainability journey as well. And I'm trying to be Oh, we can talk about that, that. next. <laughs> okay. But um, with all of that and like turning to natural products, things like that, I was like, all right, you're literally putting these brain damaging, like these terrible chemicals in your head. You need to figure that out. So um, I decided to start transitioning with the co- like the caveat that I could kind of turn back at any time. Mm-hmm. But um, a year went by and I was kind of like, you know, we're now we're stuck in court. Well, not stuck, but we're, I've been safely distancing in my house. I haven't been going out much. And um, I've had people in my corner that have kind of just been like, you know, you should really just, just do it. Just cut your hair, just cut your hair, see what it's like. And so I finally cut it. And I honestly, I love it so much. It took me a second to get used to, but I didn't think I had curls and now I do. <laughs> it's really weird. I love it. And I, I followed along and I remember, I very much distinctly remember you had an Instagram story sharing like, I think you did twists or braids first, which is often you. So for those that are listening that may not know what we're talking about, when you have uh, a long time using relaxer and chemical hair relaxers, your hair texture changes because of the chemistry in your follicles in your hair and so it takes a while to transition your hair back to its original texture and so that's what it means about transitioning and so often people have protective styles like braids or um, uh, twists or maybe they'll wear wigs or weaves to help in that transitioning process because your hair might go from looking really straight when it's wet to having random curls that don't really look uh, presentable or they don't look ideal. And so sometimes people after a period of transitioning then decide to do what's called the big chop. And the big chop is really when you're just cutting off those dead ends of your hair um, where your natural hair texture stops and the chemical damage still remains. So it's easier than transitioning for a longer period of time. I just wanted to explain, I don't want to assume people (laughs) listening know what we're talking about. But I remember watching that Instagram story of um, you saying like, well, I'm just going to see how I feel about it. And it's really uncomfortable, but I can always go back, which is true. 
Um, and I was just like, part of me was like rooting for you. I was like, please stick with it. Please stick with it. <laughs> and then when I saw your beautiful curly hair just recently, I was like, yes, she's sticking with it. But how is that um, with your family or people that may have made comments about how beautiful your straightened, relaxed hair was? Um, honestly, they've all, they've been so supportive. And um, I think some of it, nothing against their support. I do think that some of it is that the times have even changed, you know, it's a lot more acceptable to wear your hair naturally in today's culture than I think it was, you know, 20 years ago, which sounds ridiculous. But Mm -hmm. I, I just feel like that's how I was growing up. Some of the same people that were like, oh, my gosh, your curls are so beautiful now we're the same ones that were like your hair looks a mess you know but oh, i digress um i do think that my family have been super supportive my sister actually went natural way before i did and um my mom also was my mom was the one that cut my hair and she has been loving you know i'll i'll do new things with it and send her pictures because i'm just excited <laughs> And they've all just been really supportive about it. That's so cool. So it's like almost like a family bonding experience now. And you're right. I think it's it's the movement, the natural hair movement started, I would like to say, um, maybe just shy of 10 years ago, the, the first natural bloggers and when YouTube just started and people were talking about natural hair I'm thinking of like the, um, what is her name? Natural. Oh my gosh. I love Whitney. She's like the OG. Yeah. (laughs) Whitney, she's the OG um, natural hair YouTuber and like influencer. Um, And so I would always watch them and be like, oh, that's cool for, (laughs) like, that's cool for you. But like, as for me and my hair. (laughs) I'm one of the first ones to be like, don't natural like, don't relax or shame me. I've had so many people, even up to, like, last year, wow. who being like, oh, you really should, like, just, you know, go natural. I'm like, okay, the way I wear my hair is 100% my choice. Exactly. <laughs> I don't want to feel shamed for wearing my hair relaxed. I don't want to feel shamed for having my hair natural or in a protective style. Like, I think people have a lot of opinions about black hair, and even when they come out of the best intentions, I feel like those comments aren't usually productive. (laughs) So, yes, I think I had this kind of, my hair never took well to relaxer. So it was pretty easy decision because my hair was just like, absolutely not. It's so like, like I'm African. So it was just like the quintessential, like thick, thick, thick mane of hair. And so relaxer never even worked that great on my hair anyway, but I can understand um, growing up and hearing indirectly or directly how to look presentable and how to fit into, you know, workplaces and how to be palatable to white people in a workplace. And, you know, people don't, people respect you more if your hair is a certain way. So even at being natural, I still kind of um, try to fit certain standards of beauty by straightening my hair a lot blowing out my hair a lot to like tame it in that sense while still using natural products. So can we talk about a little bit about how you specifically started to embrace your curls and 
do you think once you go back to, you know, the normal routine of being in an office and being around coworkers, you'll feel comfortable in a, in a professional setting? I think that um, I'm fortunate in that part of the reason I felt comfortable enough to go natural was because I'm not actively looking for a new job right now. Mm. And not only that, there are people um, in my department, there are two people in my department who also uh, wear their hair natural. Mm. So I think that helped me feel comfortable with even making the choice because had I been at you know, in any of my previous appointment places, I might not even even thought about going natural in the first place. And I do think that um, this was a pretty good time to try this because I think that if I would have cut my hair and then went into the office the next day, I might not have been ready for, mm. you know, all the, the glances or the comments or things like that. And I think now that I get to see myself, um, a lot more. I mean, this is just who I am now. <laughs> so I think that I'll be fine going back into the office at this moment. Uh, but there was definitely a little shyness after I, I first cut it, like having to do, you know, we do meetings and sometimes they're video meetings. And I remember the first time I was kind of like, okay, like, what am I going to do with my hair? Like, am I going to try to hide it? Am I going to do, what am I going to do? In the first meeting, I did not try to hide it at all, but automatically I got a text message and it was like, did you cut your hair? Oh my gosh, did you get <laughs> It looks so good. And then I was like, okay, this is great. Um, it was a good way to ease into it too. Like, I think people are gonna be used to it by now. <laughs> yes, that's true. You've eased people in. And you, like you said something about you're comfortable with how you look and you see yourself more frequently. And so now you've identified how, what you enjoy about yourself, about your hair, about your, your look. And so you don't really need that validation of, that we sometimes subconsciously desire from being in the workplace and that kind of like microcosm of an environment. Um, so that's, I mean, that's a great point. Obviously it helps when there's other women in your department that have kind of paved the way of being natural um, and having that natural hair look. But like you said, you definitely have to be comfortable in it within yourself yes. because there was a time that when I was transitioning and I tried to do something with my hair, did not turn out the way I wanted it. And my, you know, when your hair is relaxed, your hair is very tamed, very straight to your, your head. Like there's no, I, I can't explain it other than it's just more tamed. And then I went into the office one day and my hair was like the opposite of tamed. It was so much bigger than I was used to it being. And I like, I cried in my office. Like oh, my people were kind of, my coworker, um, one of the ones that's natural was just kind of like, I was trying to help me through it because a lot of it was just centered around the fact that I wasn't comfortable with the way I looked and that it was so new to me. Mm -hmm. So I did get that out of the way already. <laughs> like I did have to experience not being comfortable with myself. Yes. And like now, like I said, I just, now I am more comfortable with that area of my life that I think, I think we'll be all right. <laughs> yes. And you also have unlearned some expectations of like, what does it look like to have like a good hair day now versus what it looked like to have a great hair day 
before you kind of have to you've you've lived so long with this kind of expectations of what your hair looks like that it doesn't just happen overnight and it definitely doesn't just happen after a chop um and then you also have to learn how to do your hair right like oh my gosh the process (laughs) and you're gonna be learning forever i'm still learning and i'm such a lazy natural it's the worst i have like three hairstyles (laughs) and that's it but um, you also have to learn how to, you know, do your own hair or some people still prefer to go to a salon and get their hair done um, and what works for you in, in regards to the activity that you do. And um, it's a process. So part of, I think part of you going towards more natural products, did that lead you towards the sustainability journey? I think it was kind of the other way around. I started to lean more into sustainability and that's kind of what eventually brought me to my natural hair journey. Um, But as far as sustainability, oh, wow. (laughs) As far as sustainability goes, (laughs) um, I was always kind of that kid. I was the kid in my family that wanted us to recycle everything. My mom was like, if that's what you want to do, like you're in charge of this. <laughs> you have to take care of it. Um, but when I got older and I could, you know, control more of what the products that I buy and the things that I use, I started to look into it a lot more um, about what I'm putting into my body. So that goes for food as well. And I'm not, I'm not a vegetarian. I'm not a vegan or anything like that. Um, but I did try to like incorporate more plant-based foods into my diet just because, you know, the environmental impact of plant-based food is a lot lower than having so much meat. But like I said, I, my favorite food is a bacon cheeseburger. I'm not perfect at all. Um, (laughs) but I think the, that brings me to another point. The thing about sustainability is that as long as there are a lot of people doing sustainability or practicing this sustainability imperfect, imperfectly, like as long as you are being more conscientious of the things that you're buying, of how much you're consuming and just doing the little things, like people make jokes about, oh my gosh, like I used one reusable straw, I'm saving the planet. But you are like just doing these little things can make a big impact if we're all doing them versus having two or three people that are perfectly living a sustainable zero waste life. Yes, I I completely agree. I I really kind of used to just like put, throw my hands up at sustainability because you saw so many people doing it incorrectly or not doing it at all. And I didn't really think like my individual efforts meant anything, but your point is amazing that if we all really just did a couple little things, the biggest thing for me right now is I use metal straws primarily unless I absolutely have to use a plastic straw, but a lot of places now don't even have plastic straws. And one, it's something that's super cheap for me to do. It doesn't cost a lot to get a set of metal straws. Two, um, I honestly think drinks taste way better out of a metal straw than a plastic straw, especially cold drinks. And so mm-hmm. there's like a personal, you know, there's a personal benefit for me, a selfish benefit, actually. And then three, uh, it's aesthetically pleasing. Like glass and metal straws look cool when you're posting things in a plastic straw, but um, that's just like the first thing that I did. And then also because of um, wanting to 
take care of my body now that I'm a little older, just looking at where things come from and what toxins are in it. Usually the more sustainably made things are also better for you and better for your gut. And so I just, it was again, another selfish reason that has this like environmental impact. So what are like two or three suggestions you talked about, um, going plant-based for a few meals, even if you're not vegetarian or vegan, what are some other suggestions you'd have for people that want to start being more sustainable? Um, some of the easiest methods is to do the, the easy swaps. So I do have um, a couple of resources on my blog and there's some good people that talk about it out there. But when I say like just an easy swap, it's just like what you were talking about with, okay, maybe I'll use metal straws instead of plastic straws. Or maybe I'll bring my own reusable bags to the grocery store instead of using plastic bags. Or um, the reusable water bottles and cups instead of just using all the plastic cups and bottles. I think that's the easiest way to get started is to do these kind of little painless swaps. And then eventually you can get like a little deeper into it. Like I use a shampoo bar instead of buying a bottle of shampoo. Or um, let's think, what else do I do? I did a whole Plastic Free July last year. Mm. It's a little harder <laughs> um, today with just the pandemic going on. Um, like if you want to eat out at all, you just kind of have to accept the fact that, you know, if you're getting delivery, it's going to be packaged in these things that are just single use and you have to throw them out. Um, but that's another way too, is to cut back <laughs> on your <laughs> delivery. That's kind of what I had to do in uh, last July. I was just kind of like, you know, like, I'm just not going to be able to eat out as much. Or if you do go out to eat, again, this is advice in like, a pre-pandemic world, but when you wanted to go out to eat, um, an easy way to avoid all of the single-use products is to eat to decide to dine in. So then you're using dishes versus mm -hmm. using, you know, products that that just get thrown out. Um, but I don't advise that right now. So <laughs> don't do that. Yes, for the future when everything is like back to whatever the new normal is. But um, I, I agree. I think those are amazing tips. The plastic versus a metal versus plastic. Um, I, I think I remember in that last year you were going to get um, like fruits and vegetables from the store. And, you know, they always give you those plastic bags, which I think now they say they're supposed some of some stores, they have them um, biodegradable. But, you know, it still costs and an environmental impact to make that plastic. So there's a trade and they have to be this and they have to be disposed of properly so exactly. they can be biodegradable but if you put them in your trash can then they're not going to break down the way they need to exactly. versus like if you were to compost them exactly which i which, also compost <laughs> which people don't do and so it's like having recyclable or biodegradable items that aren't actually disposed of correctly is still not solving it so i think i remember you bringing like your own bag or it was like a a cloth bag to put the fruits and vegetables in and I've seen things like you can purchase to solve that plastic problem just something as basic as getting fruits and vegetables um, or yeah. getting like a glass container to put things in versus the prepackaged containers that you can get from the grocery store 
um, that's like a next level, right? Or even Meatless, <laughs> Meat, Meatless Mondays, that impact. I did can, do that. Yeah, can be really great. Um, I think that sometimes people think of sustainability as something that is not um, popular in the Black community. So what would you say about that? I personally believe that environmental um, justice is a part of social justice. So I think that, and it also more disproportionately affects people of color. But what would you say to someone that's like, oh, that's just a white people thing, the hippity dippity (laughs) (laughs) stuff? I'm not gonna lie. I've had to. I've had to have some some conversations with with people in the black community who kind of laugh at at my you know want to be sustainable. And I think there is a line that you kind of have to walk when you're trying to um, convince people to make these small changes. And that is that I never try to sound preachy. Um, I am excited all the time and I love sharing the things that I'm doing. And so I, I do try to like, I push that on my family sometimes. I'm like, no, but like my mom just got some produce bags like you were just talking about. And she was so excited to tell me about it. But, you know, she just got those produce bags <laughs> in years. Yes. <laughs> so I think everyone has their own timetable, but I've definitely had to fight people who are kind of like, oh, well, then maybe I should buy up all the plastic straws now so that. I can have them when I want them. And I'm like, like, why is it so hard to just exactly. use a different straw? Like, it's not that deep. I think my, my um, comment to them is that, you know, this is our world too. I don't think that it's a fight for, for just any subset of people. I think that we all should be doing what we can to leave the earth a better place than we found it, if not for us, for the future generations. Yes. I I mean, I think that if you don't care about, like, just make it your own, right? I try to focus on what I can do personally that is easy for me to do. If I don't want to, I still use plastic sandwich bags, but I also reuse those plastic sandwich bags as many times before it gets gross, which just sounds like I'm slowly becoming my mom. But honestly, she was sustainable without even knowing it out of necessity. I I agree with you. There there are people that have been doing it and are on board and they just don't realize it. Yes. Or those plastic bags that would be like kept forever and ever underneath the sink or in the drawer. (laughs) I definitely grew up with those. And now I have my own thing of plastic bags you know sometimes you just have to get a plastic bag or you get them for like you said with food delivery and if I can I I reuse it um but yes we didn't know that our parents or grandparents were being sustainable and now it's like here we are they were they actually knew something um now I'm saving all my jars like I'm in the same boat yeah now like mason jars are the thing but really like they were popular always, but now it's like a chic thing to use mason jars as a cup and all this stuff. But it's like our grandparents were using those glass jars because they couldn't afford to be getting those red solo cups every week for you to have like party <laughs> drinks or whatever out of. 
Um, so now it's the part of the show that I like to call roses and thorns. Roses are good things that have happened and thorns are bumps along the way. So what's one rose and one thorn that's happened for you these past couple weeks? Oh, I share gratitude all the list all the time. And now I'm like, Oh, what's one that I want to do? <laughs> um, okay. A rose is that, um, I can talk about my plants. <laughs> I'm, I just became a plant parent in quarantine and I am obsessed with it. I have 17 plants. There's one that's supposed to be delivered today. I saw the email. I was very excited. So that, I'll make that be my rose, is oh my actual goodness. plants. <laughs> they just make me so happy. <laughs> um, and let's see, my thorn. Um, my thorn is that, honestly, it's been rough on just the mental health front, I think, um, as far as just there being a pandemic, there being social justice things that are happening for good reason but I think that it's been taxing that and being isolated has been a little taxing on my mental health so I think my thorn is definitely that there's been a couple of rough days but like through it all I always try to find the good moments and in, in the day yes I think sometimes um when you follow along with people's journey you're following their highlight reel right so you don't really see the behind the scenes. Not everybody posts their disappointing days and not everybody should post their disappointing days, but you are conscious that it exists. And I love your positivity, but it's also like, obviously every single day is it rainbows and butterflies for you. So um, <laughs> I think you being conscious of that, but still, you know, being open and honest about yourself is really cool. You have that nice balance and you're not alone. There's a couple of people I've recorded that I've, Definitely listed plants as something that they've loved lately. Um, I too have acquired some plants in this quarantine or in this socially distant time. Um, so yes, plants are the go-to. I think it's just, I think for me, it was like, okay, I actually can't be outside, which I didn't really miss outside until I was not able to be outside as much as I wanted to. And so I'm bringing a little bit of nature inside and it, you know, they breathe life and they add beauty and it's something I can take care of. And I love taking care of people, but I can't really like do that as much as I normally would. And so I'm like taking care of things. <laughs> um, but 17 is a lot. <laughs> it was 18 on the way. Oh it's gosh. Just, it was just a mess. It sounds um, like I a agree. TLC special, like 17 and counting. <laughs> Plant edition. Oh, Literally, yes, that is what's going on. Um, but I agree with you. It's definitely um, been a way to bring the outside in. But more than that, and I saw a TikTok recently that like hit way too hard, like way too close to home. And I was like, can you not expose me like that? <laughs> but I think part of it is a sense of um, accomplishment and like being able to nurture something. Mm. So I'm, I'm taking care of these plants in a time where I can't, uh, devote my attention to someone else. That sounds so weird, but it's nice to have something that I can look after. I don't have a pet or anything. So these plants are keeping me company. Yeah. And I think that, um, 
in a sense, people are caring. Hopefully, if the aftermath is people care more about nature because they are around plants in nature, and that's in even in the domestic sense, then that's another out, outcome that's great. Um, so, how can people follow along on your journey and read more of your amazing content? Ooh, thank you for asking. Um, you can follow me on my blog, which is ambitiouslysierra.com. And I spell Sierra with a C. <laughs> but um, ambitiouslysierra.com is the blog. I also have a YouTube channel, which is Ambitiously Sierra. Um, Ambitiously Sierra for <laughs> my Instagram account. I also have a TikTok and a Facebook page. I don't know. Honestly, look up Ambitiously Sierra. I'm I'm probably there. <laughs> yes, she's everywhere, guys. I will everywhere. also leave all the links down below, especially to those resources um, that she has on her blog and how to be sustainable and how to start your sustainability journey. And um, I look forward to seeing how your journey and your story continues to progress. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today, Sierra. Thank you so much for having me. This was fun. <laughs> Bye. Bye. We honestly could have talked for so much longer. We talked about her natural hair journey to sustainability to plants. I hope you learned that in sharing a little bit about yourself, you may never know who you are reaching along the way. Thank you for listening to today's episode and be sure to connect with Sierra through her blog, YouTube channel, or Instagram. Please subscribe and review this podcast so that others can find this podcast and hear stories just like Sierra's. Have a great day in your amazing story.